Welcome into the Saturday show. Having a great time. Talking sports, NBA, college football, Olympics, all sorts of fun, interesting things. You guys playing yellow card just for my benefit? Or are you a yellow card fan? Oh, I'm absolutely a yellow card fan. Are you? You seem too young to know much about yellow card. How young do you think I am? Like early 20s? Go up by about like 10 years. You're early 30s? Yeah, I'm 31. You're past 30? Yeah, I'm Wow, man, you you carry it well. I don't. People think I'm mid-40s, and I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> Barely mid thirties myself. Okay, so we are we're similar age. Yeah. Okay, there, there's there is an emo kid inside my soul. <laughs> like you know, I, I, uh, yeah. yeah, it's this is this this takes me back. Like this is my formative years. The music that like helped shape me into the cynical, wonderful person you see before you. Um, the caring soul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tender on the like you know deep down have a you know the guy that cries at dramatic music. Eric, like this. this this might be Eric. This is this the first time you ever heard the yellow card, Eric. It might be the first time right, Eric's yeah. ever heard yellow card. Yeah, okay. probably is. He's like eleven. So <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, I uh, wanted to touch on a little bit. We're gonna get back into college football here a little bit, um, but I wanted to touch on just you know we talked a little bit last segment technical fouls about some of the Olympics stuff. Um, I just want to kind of come back and. Just mention a little bit of what I've seen so far in the Olympics, because I've been having a lot of fun watching it. Um, I was up way too late last night watching. You're watching it live? Live. Wow. That's 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 the best way to experience it for me. I, I, I agree. I, the the primetime replay is tough, because especially in the industry we work, Alex, we already know it all. Right. And so, yeah, it was. But, I mean, I watched, and I'm not sure if this one was live. It felt live, and I hadn't seen the results yet, so I assumed it was live. Uh, but I watched some archery last okay. night. All right. Um, Had you ever before in your life watched archery? I mean, basically only in the Olympics. I, I was Are you having... familiar with the rules? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm not. So other than you shoot towards the middle, right? Yeah, you try to. Yeah. But then they don't shoot towards the middle sometimes. It's like darts. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like well, at least this version. Um, you know, it was trying to get as close to the middle as possible. Okay. Um, but the way it goes, and so. The rules, you know, there's target set up, inside circle is 10, then just outside of that 9, 8, 7, eight, all the way down. Um, teams are duos, man and woman. They each get one shot for each team, and then the other team shoots. Uh, that's the first half of the round. And they where they hit, that's the number of points that they get. Do they leave the arrows in? In, yes. For the other team to have to shoot well, around? Each team has their own target. Gotcha, I gotcha. Um, okay. So their teammates have to shoot around their shots. Yeah, okay. But, so, you know, they're hitting it in there. You get two shots and then two more shots. And whoever has the highest score at the end of those four gets two points for that round. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's best of four they have, you know, like four rounds. and First kind of, to eight or whatever, first well, to six? or Yeah, so... It was USA who was the two seed overall versus 15 seed Indonesia. And wow. I, I turned it on, you know, right at the end of the first round. And Indonesia had a dominant first round over the USA. And then the second, you know, so they earned two points. And if they tie, if they have the same score at the end of one of these rounds, then they split the points. They get one each. Um, that was my understanding. You know, that's what they were explaining. And I think it's, you know, if you get to five points for the whole thing, then it's over. So Indonesia starts out after the first round, they've got two points. Second round comes, and 
the wind, something, the U.S. was just not hitting, like, you know, Indonesia's getting consistent nines. Is this outdoors? Yeah. Okay. Occasional 10. The U.S. is getting mostly nines, occasional eight. They got, like, a six on one of them. And so it was like, they're in some real trouble here. They lost round two. So they're Mm -hmm. down 4-0. All Indonesia has to do is tie, and the U.S. is eliminated. Wow. And so I'm watching. On day one. On day one. U.S. is the number two seed overall. One of their archers, they were saying, was like one of the greatest archers in the world. Robin Hood himself. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like Clint or Barton, herself, Hawkeye. Yeah. Like just. <laughs> and Legolas. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the U.S. is down. Their backs are against the wall. You know, they shoot pretty decently well, and I'm watching it, and it's like, okay, with one arrow left, they've got an eight point or you know indonesia shooting their final arrow u.s has an eight point lead so if they hit an eight or anything closer u.s is over they hit just outside for a seven oh. i'm like all right here we go usa <laughs> the next round goes you know and it's again the same thing tie it's over because indonesia gets that winning point um and sure enough all four shots for both teams are nines. Oh, my but gosh. But the very first shot for the USA, they, they had put an asterisk on it because they were going to go review it after all the shots were done to see it was really close. They go, they check it. It's just touching the line. It's a 10. The oh US wins. Oh, my gosh. To force a shoot-off. Oh, my, a shoot-off? So what they do. So they put an apple on the other guy's head. <laughs> <laughs> and if you live, you advance. <laughs> um, no, so each person gets one shot. And they tally the scores at the end. And whoever has the most scores after one shot for each, you know, one shot for each archer on each team. So four shots total. Whoever has the highest score advances. If the scores are tied, whoever has the shot closest to the center advances. So no ties. No ties. My kind of sport. All right. And the U.S. lost. Did they really? They lost as the number two seed overall in a massive upset to Indonesia. Go Indonesia. Yeah, I was just. Like, I was fixated on this. It was like drama. It was crazy. And then right after that, they were like, all right, here comes women's water polo. And so. <laughs> oh, I was and like, I heard of all that. They set a record, didn't they? They, like, well, it was so. 21 to 4 or some such? That and... was in the third quarter. <laughs> they didn't even air the fourth quarter because it was so far out of hand. They, they were like. Mercy ruled it? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, they played it. They yeah, just didn't yeah. show it on the broadcast because they were like, well, this is pretty well in hand. Let's go watch softball. <laughs> And so it was the U.S. versus Mexico. And so I watched that. U.S. ended up winning softball 2-0 to in that. But, I mean, it's just incredible what these athletes are able to do. Like, watching the water polo, the women's water polo team from the U.S. is impressive. They are, like, and, you know, I know this because, so my roommate was a swimmer water polo player in high school. um, And so he's walked me through a lot of this stuff. He gets really excited around Olympics time because, you know, it's, he gets to watch the sports that he understands at the highest level yeah. um, from having played. And he was telling me before this, he's like, the U.S. is insanely good at this. You know, the women's water polo, their strength is they are just deadly accurate with their shooting. Hmm. Um, and Have you ever played water polo? No. I, I, I don't have the guts to try it. I think that I would drown within the first five seconds yeah you're like kicking each other and pulling each other down and it's a vicious sport like you know watching some of these shots that they were taking with the accuracy that they were taking them with was like so i'm going to try to describe this as best i can over the air because (laughs) i know people can't see as i'm going to try to like pantomime it here but there was a shot where 
you know, they passed it to one of the, the women in the center of the pool, you know, right in front of the goal, kind of a cross pass, I would, I, you know, the closest. Thing. And so she gets it as she's kind of like falling to her left. And she's like leaning at this angle where she's basically floating on her side, catches it, reaches up like she's doing like a lat stretch. So she's yeah. like, you know, reaching with her right arm, holding the ball diagonally up and to the left over her head. So just at this very, very awkward horizontal angle and then throws the ball to the top left corner of the goal. Like the one place that the goalie's just not going to be able to reach it. And just like in one swift movement, just bam, on her side, throws it right there with like a lot of heat, a lot of intensity and scores. And it was just like, how does a human do that? And not like, you not can't only, like jump out of the water. You're not touching the bottom of the pool, right? right? Yeah. And like, not only can they do that, they can do that and not drown while doing that. Like they, they live as a result of playing this sport. And so it was just massively impressive. I just, I love the Olympics because you get to watch these insane feats of athleticism where you're like, this isn't possible. Yeah. Like you're breaking laws of physics right now. Have you ever met uh, Tamua Tavana? She's, I have not. Uh, vice president of premium experience with the Utah Jazz. She's an amazing person. She uh, she was on the 2012 women's U.S. Olympic team that won gold. She okay. played water polo at USC, uh, and, and she she may have been. Oh, I I would I hate to get this wrong. It seems to me like she may have been pregnant when they won gold. Man. I, I could be wrong, or she had just—it was right around that time. I have to check with her, but it's—it's it's, that's what I love about the Olympics. Is yes, it's there's a lot of corruption with the Olympics. There's right. a lot of big business and 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 all the and the nastiness. But and there are athletes that cheat. In fact, I saw a report that sixty to seventy percent of Olympic athletes are somehow bending or cheating the rules. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know how they would on that. If you have, if you've seen, have you seen the documentary Icarus? Icarus yeah. 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 Speaking of, if you see ROC on the Olympic scoreboards, that's Russia. Yeah. Because their colors, their flag has been banned or whatever. Yeah. But uh, what I love about the Olympics, Alex, is these people who work their entire lives at a sport none of us care about except for these two weeks, then get to shine and and, and have their moment. And like a person like Tamu, who's a great, great uh, professional and a wonderful coworker. Uh, here at the Utah Jazz, and just an awesome person. But then she can say, oh, yeah, I've, I have a gold medal. That's amazing. That's freaking cool. That's so awesome. So I, I haven't I haven't dived in myself, pardon the pun, <laughs> to the Olympics just yet. I really get into the swimming, mm-hmm. really into the swimming. I think Katie Ledecky starts tomorrow. Oh, is it? I think cool. that's, that's when she starts her first events. Awesome. Uh, the, the Summer Olympics, and I don't know if I'm – because I grew up doing winter sports, like I was really into skiing and snowboarding growing up, I, I really prefer the Winter Olympics. There's a lot more sports that I enjoy watching. But the Summer Olympics, when that when the swimming comes on, man, I'm dialed in. There's there's high drama there. It's cool. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. I've been having a blast. I'm loving it. I'm going to lose a lot of sleep and probably be a zombie for most of the rest of these next couple of weeks, but worth it. When does Michaela Skinner get her time um next week I, I when does gymnastics they usually save gymnastics for later in the olympics don't yeah they? i know that the early men's qualifying stuff has started uh japan had kind of one of their national gymnast heroes uh who he fell off the uh the bars uh 
failed to qualify for the final. I think that was early this morning. Oh, okay. Um, and so wow. I know that they're all kind of like. So maybe it is. It's spread out the whole way. Huh? That's yeah, and that's at least the men's gymnastics. Um, Michaela Skinner, and I don't know if that was like individual or team. I know that M- Michaela Skinner is representing the U.S. as an independent gymnast. She wasn't selected for the national team. Um, yeah. But uh, Grace McCollum, a future Ute, was selected for the the, uh, the the Team USA. And so there are, you know, there's a, a former Red Rock great and a future Red Rock great, both representing the U.S. at the Olympics. So, you know, local ties there. Oh, and actually it says uh, women's gymnastics starts tomorrow, well, tonight at midnight. Well, with women's vault, uh, Simone Biles will be going. So going to have to stay up late to watch that. Yep. Um, anyway, transitioning. Yeah. You know, wanted <laughs> to get into, you know, wanted to get more into this college football talk because you had an interesting idea that I wanted to hear from a little bit more about kind of the future of the conference alignment and how it might affect the teams locally. So a few years back, I want to say it was like five or six years ago, Stuart Mandel, when he was still with Fox Sports, he hadn't yet taken over as editor-in-chief at the the Athletic on the college football side. He wrote uh, a three-piece or four-piece series all about the future of college football and, and what the landscape might look like in 5, 10, 15 years down the road. And it was the first place that I had seen an idea that I had had really validated uh, and put so much better than, than I had ever thought of it. And that was the idea that we admit to ourselves, Alex, that college football is a business. College football is uh, dirty. It's not personal, but it, it, it'll, cut, it'll cut your throat and leave you to bleed. That's, that's college football. And at some point, you have to put your fandom aside, uh, whether Utah, Utah State, BYU, Weber State, whatever, and think of it from a cold-hearted, numbers, pencil-pushing, what's going to get the most dollars bled from the stone of ABC, uh, ABC CBS, and Fox, and ESPN – and when you do that, you come down to the idea of the haves and the have-nots. Right now, we've got Division One, Division Two, Division Three, and we've got FCS, and maybe even some beyond that that I'm spacing at the moment. But this idea that Stuart Mendel came up with was take the 15 to 30 top blue chip programs in college football, the ones that are not just always good at football, but have the biggest brand. Because Texas, which has now started this whole expansion talk again, has actually been pretty mediocre to terrible at football for a few years now. Yeah, their their formula is, you know, lose some games they should win, win just enough to, you know, make things interesting, usually around seven games, proclaim that they're back, and then continue losing. But I, I call them the logo schools. And I th- like I said in hour one, I think there's four that drive it all, USC, Texas, Notre Dame, and Alabama. But there's more than just those four that are logo schools, that no matter what their football program is doing, they have the eyeballs, they have the following, they have the potential earning, the earning potential for broadcast companies to be interested. And you take those and you make one division, one level of just those 15 to 30 teams in the country – and then let everyone else sucks to be you work it out and fight for whatever you can get. And as much as it would hurt my job <laughs> for our local schools to not be included in the haves, 
of those 30 teams. I do think that that is the future of college football. It's not the imminent future. It's not near. But I think it could be in the next 20 years where you see a break-off, even maybe a break-away from the NCAA itself to where you have this entity of uh, 15 to 30 teams in the country that are the blue chips of blue chips, and they just go do their own thing. And then the rest of everyone, and I, the rest of everyone would include BYU, Utah, Utah State, obviously. Um, and I, I don't know that I'm opposed to it. I really don't because I want to see the college football playoff is expanding. I got it. But I don't think we're truly getting the – the right the the number one best team doesn't win the championship every year when it's a single excuse me single elimination and it's just four teams and now it's going to be 12 it's got to be a, like a series really before you actually find out if the best team is winning the championship that's hard to do in football but if you just take the 30 best programs and make their own league then you're always going to get, I think, the best team in America is going to win every year. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yes, I think to an extent. Um, I do want to kind of challenge the, the idea that – Sure. Um, you know, saying that if we have a four-team playoff, the best team's not always winning. But if we have a 30-team Super League, <laughs> that the best team will. Wouldn't those four that make the playoff all be in the 30-team Super so league. far, the way the ones that have made that playoff, yes. So, I mean, even the Pac-12 schools that have been there would be in this 30-team Super League. Yeah. So, are you are you saying that this Super League would have series, or would it still be like a single elimination, like the NFL has? It'd, pr- it'd have to be a single elimination. And so, I think that we still might not get, you know, like you'd have an upset here or there. Which, honestly, that's one of my favorite parts of college football is I love just the insanity of Appalachian State over Michigan in the Big House. You know, just or basically anything from that 2007 college football season because that was pure anarchy. Yeah. Um, but who won the NBA, the NBA, the NCAA championship that year? That was wasn't that Ohio State? I think it was Ohio State that so year. So with all the upsets, you still Florida. had you still had the same old, same old. Right. But that's what I think. That's part of the appeal of college football. I mean, you know, we we want a true champion, but there's a reason that bowl season still exists. Because, you know, like I, I've, I hear a lot of people who are against the expansion where they're like, well, these semifinal games have been blowouts. And if we have more playoff games, those are going to be blowouts and it's not interesting. And it's like, are you telling me that the cheese it Bowl between <laughs> Cal and TCU a few years ago where it was seven to six and, and like both teams had combined for more turnovers than points? <laughs> you're telling me that that was interesting football, yeah. and the, you know, it, like because. We, we watch these games, these pointless bowl games between two six-and-six six programs that, you know, just... Yeah, I've, that's how I've ever seen a Louisiana Monroe uh, football game. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just weirdness, and that's what makes it the best. Like, that's my favorite <laughs> part about it, is it just... Like, you see just the strangest things happen in these bowl games and stuff. And so if we can get that in a bigger playoff format, why not? Yeah. Like... I just love the insanity and so, the madness. So stepping away from that idea of finding the number one true champion, what do you think of the business idea of the 30 blue chip number one top logo football programs in America being their own entity? Oh, I, I mean, I think that that is 
not an if. I think that's a win. Yeah. Um, how soon it will happen, I don't know. I don't. I don't get the feeling it'll happen soon. Meaning like the next decade. Okay. Um, within the next twenty years, I would say probably fifty percent, and beyond that, it gets higher. So I'm with you. So then I also wanted to then ask you this, because if it were happening today, like I said, and I think you agree, our teams here in the Valley are, are not in. No. I, I don't. Well, I mean, I, I would hope so, but I would doubt it. Yeah. Um, because And I jotted down quick notes from the Power Five conferences, and you could maybe make an argument for Utah because of the TV market. Mm-hmm. You don't want to necessarily lose out on that, but – then again, BYU has that market, and then the whole country right. that follows them. So, uh, but you could see them. But in, if this takes twenty years to formulate, is that enough time for our local schools to work themselves up to then being in, involved, included in the blue chips of blue chips? Well, you know, and something that Davo Sweeney, uh, Sweeney said just earlier last week that I've heard a lot of people say would be something that they'd love to see in college football. And if this league did happen, it's something that I would want to see implemented. Uh, bring in relegation. Mm. Wow. Because, you know, sure, you like, let's do a 30-team, like, cream of the crop league. And if you suck. Like the Euro League. Yeah. Yeah. If you suck. Like Premier League or then, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. There's Premier League, Champions League. I only know those because I watched Ted Lasso. Yeah. Um. And but if you if you're terrible for what three years how long is it you you're out something yeah you're and you're you done. can work your way back in eventually yeah. but and so you know like it gives teams that are here locally still sort of hope like their foot's not in the door and the door is kind of like down the hall that's cluttered with like all sorts of stuff. alligators yeah <laughs> but the door is open aha uh-huh. right? you just have to get there. Or is it? Or is it? Uh, the door is locked, but you have a bank vault, Scrooge McDuck size bank vault, full of keys, and you have to find the one key that yeah. opens the door. And you know, and maybe the reality is, they set this up, and you know, you're looking down the hallway, you see this open door, but really, it's yeah. you know, kind of like a wily e. coyote painting on a brick wall. <laughs> so if you get there, you know, just it's a fake door, and you yeah, hit you bricks. run right into yeah. it. And it who knows? I mean, that's probably more likely than actually leaving a door open for these teams to get in there. But, you know, at least create the illusion. Well, I think it is, like you said, a when, not an if. Uh, but it is, I think, a far a distant thought. What's not so far and distant anymore is what we talked about in hour one, and maybe we can wrap this segment here, is that it seems that there is movement happening in the current landscape of college football for real. It's not just Texas and Oklahoma leveraging to try and get a bigger piece of the pie in the Big 12, which I heard a Heather Dinich report, and she said a source in the Big 12 told her, if it's just their motivation is just money, well, let's hear the Big 12 find a way to, to understand that there's flagship schools and they deserve a bigger piece of the pie, and we'll get, that, get them that money and keep them in the, in the Big 12 alive. Well, they kind I, of already do get that Yeah. I mean, Texas has Longhorn Network. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And they're yeah. they're giving that up to go to the SEC. They they are already doing what Boise State does the mount to the Mountain West. Right. Yeah. Um and but, interestingly, you know, one of the new reports, Texas A and M is holding a meeting today with the Board of Regents to discuss these new developments. 
sounds like they could possibly be on their way out, which people have looked up just to see what the bylaws say for SEC membership. And there's not an exit fee. There isn't? There's not an exit fee because the SEC understands that if you want to leave, there's the door. Good luck trying to get back in because there are teams willing to crawl over broken glass to get here. Yeah, they'll stab their mother-in-law to get yep. into this thing. So to put it graphically, you know, if you want to leave, that's that's on you. You're welcome to. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see if Texas A&M does take that route. Well, I would that be would surprised. Be, that would be so. But that small. It would be so. But interesting. maybe and maybe they know. Yeah. Maybe they know that they won't make it because they've been winning all these recruiting battles in Texas. Because they have that SEC logo on their uniform. Yep. Now that the Longhorns are in there, or will be in there, yeah, they might know that it might be time to to head out before Texas even comes. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it'll be like I wouldn't expect that to happen, but I also didn't expect Texas and Oklahoma to leave for the SEC. So who knows what'll <laughs> happen at this point? But all right, let's uh put a bow on that segment. I'm sure that there's going to be lots to talk about in coming weeks regarding this uh but next segment is one of the ones that we like to get to a lot here uh, we call it five minutes of we'll talk about sake our combination of soccer and hockey uh we'll talk about a few other sports you know things that deserve recognition during that time we'll also get to just kind of catching you up on the top 60 and 60 how that's been going so far so that's all coming up around the corner here stay tuned Welcome back into the Saturday show. We are thrilled that you're joining us on this holiday weekend. Thank you so much for listening in and for, uh, you know, just lending us your ears and listening to us just talk about the weirdness of sports and the sporting world. Yeah, if you have anything that you'd like to respond to and share in and or yell at us for being wrong about, I'd love the convo on Twitter. I'm at Austin Horton. I'm always there, and you're uh, what? I'm at 24-7 Lundy. And Eric has like seven Twitter profiles, so find <laughs> one of them and include him in there. Hope Jake Hatch is doing well on his vacation, by the way. What a time for the host of Locked On Cougars and Locked On Utes to be on vacation. Yeah, no When kidding. college football expands. The, the, the timing, you know, <laughs> timing's a weird thing, you know. Yeah. I, and I understand that. I decided this year that I was going to start saving to buy a house and then, you know. <laughs> So, and you didn't win the lottery, so no, everything is terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's time for us to get to five minutes of it, our little sake section here. So, uh, Eric's always prepared and open for us. Eric, go ahead and hit it. Oh, it's 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 it's
good work from him. Is Jack Grealish flagging it in there? And now Harry Kane breaks his European duck, and England are in dreamland. Herrera. Mira. Towards the top of the six. Header down. And in. 3 1. Try lock the brace. That's the dagger in RFL. We'll take home. Thank you for that, Eric. Nice work, as always. I love DJ. He does a great job on rail. He really does. So, shout out to him as well uh, with that. But yeah, this is Saki. We're going to talk about that. For those of you who have been along with us for the past handful of weeks, you know what this is. Uh, For those of you who are new, Saki is a combination of soccer and hockey. You know, two sports that don't tend to get too much paid attention to uh, that we like to get into a little bit here on the Saturday show as uh, Jay Catch Yawk is very much into the soccer scene. Uh, I tend to lean a little bit more towards hockey, uh, but Hatch is getting ready to get into the hockey scene as the newest expansion team, the Seattle Kraken, have just put together their roster from the expansion draft. Um, they took my guy from the Oilers, Adam Larson, a little bit bummed about that. Uh, you saw that coming, didn't you? Oh, 100. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it wasn't a surprise. And I'm not like devastated by it, but I did think that he was one of the better pieces that they had that was available. I, I'm, and I would have liked to have kept him. Massively relieved that uh, Gabe Landeskog was not taken. They went with uh, Eunice Donskoy of the Avalanche rather than Gabe Landeskog. Yeah. Which Eric, I know he and I were bemoaning the fact that the Avalanche didn't protect Landeskog, but yeah, it's. What do you think of the Kraken's uniforms and colors? I love it. Me too. I am like when they first announced, you know, the name. I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, and then I saw the logo and was like, oh, okay. And then I saw the uniforms and just. Like, they, they really did a good job launching this team. The logos are great. The color scheme, the uniforms, everything about they, it they, is They fantastic. picked a, a nickname that's more of the maritime, mm-hmm. it, it's, and it's lore. It's yeah. not, I, but it's not like the unicorns. Right. It's something that can be cool, especially in a, in a hockey setting. You can imagine some big, giant uh, Kraken cephalopod coming down above the ice before pregame with the the fog and making it look like an ocean and yeah, it's, it'll be cool. It's yeah, they're gonna do like I, I think there's a lot of potential for that. I like that it's a unique team name as well because I feel like there's so much like it's so easy to just default. Yeah. To there's a lot of these team names that we just see everywhere. You know, like at all levels in all sports, there's always you know Broncos, Tigers, Panthers. Yeah. Things like that. But Kraken is brand new. They were considering like the marmot mm-hmm. and, and the salmon and things that you think of, like the official fish and, and mammals of the state of Washington. And I'm glad that they went with something cool. Yeah. Not a marmot. So all due respect to the marmots out there. Yeah. Like there's just, there's just not enough trying to be unique and 
when they start playing next season, right? Yeah, this, this upcoming season they'll they'll be playing. The, the schedule was just released. Uh, they also participated in the NHL draft, which the later rounds are going on today. Um, I do want to to point out a couple of things on this. Three of the top five NHL draft picks are from the University of Michigan. <laughs> wow. Three of the top five. Buffalo Sabres took Owen Power. The Seattle Kraken took Matthew Beneers at number two. Those were picks number one and two. And then number five, the Columbus Blue Jackets selected Kent Johnson. So hmm. three of the top five. I don't think I've seen that in any sport where there are that many selected in that high of a range. I mean, we see in the NFL, you know, Alabama puts 20 guys a year in. It seems like, you know, they're drafted in like the first five rounds. Yeah. But I haven't seen anything where it's a team gets three guys in the first five. So that's probably a record. I don't know that. You know, it's probably probably history making. It's them in Minnesota. Yeah. In the States. Boston College, too. But Notre Dame from time to time. Yeah. I think they made it pretty far in the tournament i don't remember if they made the frozen four or not but yeah um yeah and and my edmonton oilers i after you know last week i i bemoaned their their trade for duncan keith and how terrible that was and <laughs> just you know yeah not a fan huh no but <laughs> there's a lot of people that i will yeah. give you know while i was very critical of ken holland last last week for that I will begrudgingly give him credit for the way that he drafted in the first round with the 22nd pick. They, p they picked Xavier Bo Borgo, okay. um, who was a guy that they had their eye on. They, not, they wanted him, uh, and they were able to make a trade. They traded down two spots and still got him. And wow. so I think that that it's was a good draft. Yeah, knowing that you could make that move and feeling confident enough to know that we can trade back and still get our guy and some other things along with that. I think that was a good move. Um, so he still hasn't earned his way out of the doghouse for the Duncan Keith trade. I'm furious about that still, but. <laughs> I know you've got some soccer things before we end, but I just also wanted to give a tip of the cap to the Avalanche, my Avalanche, for uh, re-signing Kel McCarr to a four-year contract, six-year contract, actually, 54 million bucks. He's the former Rookie of the Year. He was in the finalist for uh, the Norris Trophy, which goes to the best defenseman in the league last year. So the Avalanche, are, they're a contender. They are the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup next year, which means they won't. But it's cool to see your team, a team that you cheer for and like being up there. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Sorry to you Oilers fans. Yeah. It's You'll okay. get there. Well, they've been there. It You'll get there more, though. my lifetime. You'll get there more. The Gretzky days are not coming back. They just need different people. Although it sounds like they are at least acknowledging their their holes and fixing it the right way in the draft and such. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm not overly confident. But <laughs> um, getting some soccer in because you know we need to. It's socky. It's socky. Yeah. Um, not hawker. Right. <laughs> I think that you know it, it. I was shocked to see you know in the first game of group play in the Olympics because they started a little bit before the opening ceremonies because they have to get enough in so that they can fit it, fit everything in. So they start a little early. Uh, but the U.S. women's national team had a shocking loss to Sweden. 3-0. Uh, 
and that's the the score is what's shocking, right? Yeah. Well, Not just losing. Sweden's I, okay. Yeah, Sweden's okay. But the U.S. women's national team had a 44 game unbeaten streak. Yeah. And I want to say they were all wins. They might not, you know, there might have been a tie in there or something. I don't know. Possibly. Um, but they hadn't lost in 44 consecutive games going back to before the previous World Cup. You know, they. Yeah, they were like, automatic. They're they're dominant. Yeah. And to get just absolutely taken to task by Sweden, who is good. You're right. But they're not 3-0 better than the U.S. women's national team. At least I wouldn't have thought they were until they went out and did it. Um, Which and then that meant that they were possibly going to be out in group play. Yeah, they they needed you know it, it kind of put them on notice. They had to perform and make sure that they advance. I mean, there's still you know very good opportunity, and I believe that they're capitalizing on that right now. They're playing. Is it New Zealand? It's actually full time. It's oh, over. Full time. Six one final. So not only do they get the win, but they have that five goal against the threes the three goals they were down already right. so, so that puts them plus two so they th so they're helps. gonna be all right probably yeah that helps which you know Kristen press uh forward for the u.s women's national team played here with the the utah royals fc when they were in town it was interesting she had said of the loss she actually put a positive spin on it said you know past several years we haven't had any games that we've had to play from behind or even play close really like, it's not something that we've been used to. So this was actually a good game for us to have because it puts us in that position and gets us that experience hmm. so that we can, you know, try to get, you know, it's like, okay, sure, that's one way to look at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, and it looks like they, they took that to heart. Cool. Um, well, hopefully they get it done. I, I don't know about you, Alex. I'm, I'm not real USA or nothing. I, I enjoy other countries winning things. Uh, but I definitely agree with Jake Scott that the basketball is far more interesting when they lose than when they win. And yeah, it suddenly has gotten to that point, honestly, with the women's national team, too. It's, it's I want them to win. Don't get me wrong, but it's far more an interesting story when they don't. You know what I mean? Because it became so automatic. Yeah, no, it's been – yeah, it's it's very – yeah, I, I I was just shocked. But with you, like I'm not always USA or nothing. I am a lot of the time. But I also I like to pull for my Canadians from time to time. I you know is that for you served your mission up there? Is I that did, why? Yeah, you, I, okay, yep. That's where and you get so, the the Canada love. The Canada love. I you know <laughs> they uh, they hold a special place to me. The, those weird, strange people. Because um, <laughs> anybody that's been to Canada knows they're like it's just it almost doesn't feel like a real place. Because, you know, Americans were used to being jerks to each other. That's just, you know. Like they don't a, use the horn on their car, do they, up in Canada? Uh, unless they're waving Unless below. they're, like, apologizing for something. <laughs> you know. It might even just, like, you push it and instead of a, it's more of, like, an, I'm pre-recorded, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Have but, a good day, eh? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the while the customary greeting in the U.S. is something that probably can't be said on air up in canada you know the most aggressive thing that you'll ever hear is just a you know like when i was up there as a missionary you know knocking doors i think the most aggressively i was ever turned away was somebody who answered the door and said 
please never set foot on my premises again. <laughs> and then calmly closed the door. <laughs> While well, offering you a, a, a sack lunch for your trouble. Yeah. Okay, that actually happened. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. People, like, you know, say, oh, no, I, I don't believe in that. I think you guys are a cult. You're all this, that, and the other. Come inside. Here's some food. <laughs> some food. Like, real stories. Like, that actually happened, and I was so confused. <laughs> oh, but that's funny. Anyway. Um, just wanted to very quickly here get to... We're almost out of time, man. Yeah. Just wanted to run through some of the top 60 and 60 um, just to catch everyone up gotcha. on that. So uh, I believe that last time we we ended with... I want to say that we ended with TJ Pledger at 40. I don't remember. Um, but number 39, Cam Rising. Number 38, Samson Nakua, transfer to BYU. Uh, number 37, Logan Bonner, quarterback at Utah State, transferred from Arkansas State. 36, Hawadi Pudutau. 35, Chris Curry. I actually think we might have gotten to some of these guys last week. I don't remember, hmm. um, but I, I really like Chris Curry. He's he's one that I'm, I've got my eye on this upcoming season, running back for Utah. <laughs> 34, Nick Henninger, uh, defensive end, Utah State. Vital to them this season. Yes. Uh, 33, Max Tooley, linebacker, BYU. Um 32, Max Tupai, defensive end, University of Utah. Number 31, Blake Freeland, offensive line, BYU. I actually think that that's a little bit low for him. Okay. I think that he should be, you know, in the top half of this. I think I agree about Max Tooley, too, on that front. Mm -hmm. I think he ought to be. He'll play his way up, I think. Yeah. And so, um, you know, those are the remainder of the, the top 60 and 60 that's catching you up to speed there. Again, I'll, I also just... Number 35, Chris Curry, watching him in the spring game for Utah. There's just something about the way that he moves when he's carrying the ball that I just love. I, I love his game. He didn't do really anything that separated himself. I think he'll just be a regular rotation player at running back because they have a, you know, an embarrassment of riches there. Mm -hmm. But there's something about that kid that I really like. So um, There's something in the way he moves me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, so that is it for uh, five minutes of – we come back. <laughs> that was way more than five minutes. Well, it, we, we call it five minutes of because it's five minutes of this and five minutes of that. And, you know, it's kind I of like see. a lightning round almost. I see. 15 so, minutes. 15 of, minutes uh, of a lot of different things. <laughs> five minutes on each, approximately. We gotcha. don't time it. <laughs> All right. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up here on the Saturday show. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is the Saturday show. We're wrapping things up here at the end of our time together. Austin, do you have any final thoughts, any parting shots that you wanted to give? Uh, just say thank you for having me. Thanks to uh, Jay Catch for being on vacation so I could have this opportunity today. And I'm looking forward to Monday, Lundy, because uh, Lloyd and I will be hosting 10 to 2 oh, on nice. Monday. Uh, Scotty and Hans both have the day off, and so be uh filling in 10 to 2 right here on the zone excited about that nice that's so tune in that'll be fun uh, yeah everybody check out lloyd and austin 10 to 2 on monday uh that's gonna do it for us thank you so much for spending a couple hours with us giving us your time uh we had a lot of fun uh he's austin horton i'm lundy tune in next week for the saturday show <laughs>